Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. So last week, who was here last Sunday? I began to speak to you about the subject, your calling, your divine calling. Come on, put put your hand over your heart. Say, my divine calling. So we're talking about the call of God, and, and I want to also make it personal because it's your divine calling. Because we can speak generically or generally about the call of God, but I want to speak to you about your divine calling because that's the most important thing. And besides, obviously, coming to the Lord, receiving salvation, to me, that's the second most important thing for any Christian is to discover their calling. And begin to move in the right direction in their life. And the call of God is, is what pushes all the buttons deep within your innermost being. It's your purpose. It's your motivation. It gives you a peace that passes all understanding. Listen, you could be in the middle of the storm. But you'll be a sound asleep in the back of the boat when you're in your divine calling. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I mean, you can see now. I mean, they literally are trying to prepare the world for nuclear Armageddon. They, I mean, Biden even used that word. He says nuclear Armageddon. I mean, look at the, what they're pushing. That, that's their agenda. That's the, not only the fear agenda, but ultimately they do want to lead the world into the battle of Armageddon. World War III, that's, that's the thing. You know, they could be all hell breaking loose all around you. They could be economic situations. They could be, and let's make it simple. It could be stuff around your family. But when you're in your divine calling, you have this confident assurance that you're in the will of God, that you're unshakable. I mean, it's like you're not moved by circumstances. You're not moved by what this one said or that one said. And you know what? People will say a lot of things. People will volunteer, volunteer willingly their opinions, even when you don't ask for them. And opinions, some opinions are like armpits. You can imagine what's coming after that. But the call of God is something that gives you that confident assurance because it's your identity. It's who you are. It's your design. It's the divine design of God for your life because, you know, because we have a creator and we've been created and we've been designed by God. So God designed you. Amen. Your life is a divine design. Now, of course, the enemy will come in and try to mess up that design. The flesh will get in the way. But when you can put those things aside and you really connect with your divine calling, then you can begin to walk in what God has prepared for you. And it's going to be a process. You never start at the top. It's going to be a process. It's going to be a walk of faith. Amen. Every step by faith. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And so the Lord's going to order your steps. You're going to have to walk things out. You know, I mean, God's going to show you sometimes just the big picture. You won't have the details. And most of the time, that's how it's going to be. And then you're going to have to walk things out step by step along the way. And you're going to have to get a hold of the word of God because the word of God Obviously, obeying the word of God is going to be a part of the process. And then, of course, you're going to have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Them that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. 
And sonship is different than being children of God. Those who have believed on his name, he has given them the authority and the right to be children of God. That word children is technon. It really means a little child. I mean, we got children in children's church, and they're saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, but they're not mature because they haven't walked out much in their life. But when you walk things out in your life, you reach that sonship, maturity. And you have to be led by the Spirit of God to reach that place of maturity. So you've got to grow up spiritually and a part of your process of not only discovering but walking and fulfilling, walking in your divine calling and fulfilling your divine calling is going to be growing up spiritually into maturity. You can't stay a spiritual baby. And if you remain a spiritual baby, then... God cannot trust into your hands responsibility because we don't give responsibility to children. Amen. But only someone that's mature reached adulthood, we expect, now we expect them to be responsible adults. And if they're not responsible adults, then something is not right. But so that this is going to be an important part of it. It's going to give you your... Discovering and beginning to walk in your divine calling is going to give you joy unspeakable, full of glory. It's going to give you the ability to love those who treat you terribly. Because they don't see what you see. They don't hear what you hear. Sometimes they'll be close family members. They'll come with you con with concern. I'm concerned about you. I want to say these things because I do love you, you know. I'm concerned about you, but they don't really see what you see. They don't hear what you hear. They don't have what's burning in your spirit, in your belly. And, of course, discovering your divine calling and you walking in your calling, it's going to fulfill your reason for your existence. And the key... To start out in your divine calling is not just to be saved, to be born again, but it's to receive the lordship of Jesus Christ. That, that, that is the place of total surrender. Because there are a lot of Christians, I'm saved, but they're not, they're not really surrendered to the Lord. They're not consecrated. Amen. I mean, think about Jesus. Where, where did Jesus really die? Did he really die on the cross? Yes, of course he did, physically, literally, but he really died in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he faced that, that, that moment, oh Lord, if it be possible, Father, Father, let this bitter cup of suffering pass from me. But he knew it wasn't possible. Because he'd already even been telling the disciples, I will leave, I will die. He knew, he knew his calling. But when he reached that moment, man, it was tough. And he had to consecrate. But Father, not my will, but let your will be done. And that's the prayer of consecration. So you're going to have to make that prayer of consecration. And actually not once, many, many different times throughout your life. Because before, every time God's going to require you to go to the next level and the change is required for you to go to the next level or the next phase, there's always going to have to be a new level of consecration. The level of consecration you have now is going to keep you at this level. But to get to the next level, there's going to have to be a deeper consecration. And God's going to require things off of you. 
He's going to require that things fall off of you. He's going to require you to give up things. He's going to require you to do things. He's going to require you to, to sow. He's going to require you to give. He's going to require you to pray. He's going to require you to act. Whatever it is, there's going to be always more required, required of you to get to that next place. Amen. Is this helping anybody here today? So in order to understand the real significance of the Lordship of Christ, you have, you have to understand the meaning of the word Lord, which means master. And the opposite of that is servant. He's the master with the servants. So he has to be the master of your life. And you have to be fully consecrated to his will, to his calling. And so there is really, I'll tell you right now, there's no big mystery to this. It's really not that complicated. When you start moving in the right direction, you live a consecrated life, the rest just begins to come. It really does. It, things begin to fall into place. So there's really no big mystery to it. It's just doing the daily things. Getting up every day and just making sure you live a consecrated life and su surrendered life and, and just walking in obedience to the word being yielded to the Holy Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to lead you, learning and growing, getting plugged in to a good church. I recommend one right here. <laughs> getting plugged in and not just being just a Sunday morning Christian or, I mean, and in, 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 in every other Sunday because average church attendance in America is 1.8 times a month. So I guess they show up once fully, and the other time they show up 80%. The second, I don't know. but And of course, it's dropped even more since COVID. But has it really? I mean, I don't know. The real church, I think, is real. It's still there. But, you know, we are in a time where you can't live a halfway committed life. Because this is a time of separation, where the Lord's separating the sheep from the goats. The holy from the profane and the, you know, the bride from the harlot. So, you know, there's no gray areas anymore. You're either in or out. You're either hot or cold. There's no lukewarm. There's no in between. There's no one foot in the church, one foot in the world. You can't live that way. You can't get away with that. I mean, I don't believe you could ever get away with it, but especially in this time. Because you can't go back to business as usual. So concerning the call of God, I shared a couple of things last week. I'll just quickly recap, and I'm going to move on, and I'm going to attempt to finish today. But we know that we're called with a holy calling, 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us. Of course, that's the first thing, and called us. So it's not enough just to be saved. Then you have to understand that there's a calling. Being saved doesn't mean you just become a Christian, you just go to church whenever you feel like it. We're talking about a lifestyle. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and you need to pursue it. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So there's a grace that's going to come on your life. I see a lot of Christians struggle. It's like there's no grace on them because they're not in the will of God. You want grace on your life. you got to be in the will of God. Otherwise, you're in the flesh. 
You're trying to do things in your own strength. It's going to be a struggle. You make a plan, you're going to have to pay for it. God makes a plan, he pays for it. I'd rather him pay for it. So according to his own purpose, so God has a purpose and grace. So with his purpose always comes a, a grace. Amen? Where God leads, he feeds. When he gives the vision, he brings the provision. Where he guides, he provides. Amen. So when God sends you to Nineveh, don't be on a boat to Tarshish. Because you're going to have a lot of trouble. Storm on the way. People are going to hate you. They're going to throw you overboard. You're going to get eaten up by a fish, a big one. And then you're going to get spit out in the right direction by that fish. You're supposed to be in that direction. God will send a, a big, big whale to put you on track. And then, and then people get up and say, why is God doing this to me? He's not doing it. You did it to yourself. So I heard an amen, so I guess that was good. Is it, is it amen or oh me? I don't know. Grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So before you were even born, the design was there. You just, we have to discover it. And the only way we're going to discover it is, is if we press into the things of God. Pursue it. Above all that you pursue, pursue the call of God on your life. Stop pursuing ministry. Stop pursuing a girl or a boy or a business or a money. Pursuing fame, fortune, whatever. Stop, stop all that. Pursue God. Pursue the divine calling of God on your life. Anything else you pursue is going to get you off, off, off track. You're going to be off the path. You're going, to, you're going to go off. Amen. So we know that this is a holy calling. Secondly, we, we saw that it's the upward call of God. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, do not count myself. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Everyone say one thing. One thing. It's like one thing I do. Forgetting all those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So you got to put, you got to get, you know, you got to stop looking in the past. You got to look into the future. Amen. Looking forward, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the call of God is always going to be upward. There's always going to be upward mobility. There's always going to be an increase of the blessing, the anointing, the favor, the maturity. There's always going to be this growth. So as you're moving in the call of God, then there's going to be growth in your life. Amen. And God's going to demand growth. He's going to require growth. And if you don't grow, you won't be able to get, get where you need to get to. Amen. So say this after me. I must grow into the things of God. Hallelujah. You know, you plant a little, a tree, it's just a little, you know, two-foot stick in the ground. You're not going to get any fruit from that, but it has to grow before you can begin to get fruit. And the more it grows, the more fruit you get. The healthier it is, the more fruit, the quality fruit. So there has to be a growth in your life for there to be fruit. 
You can't remain a little shrub. You have to grow. And you have to forget the things of the past. I think we dealt with that last week. If you're not here, go watch last week's service and then just grab that anointing because a lot of people were letting go of the, of the things of the past. The third thing we looked at last week is that we're running the heavenly race, not the rat race. The world is running the rat race. They're in a little wheel, running, running, running in the same location. They're, running the, they're not going anywhere. They're running the rat race. We're running a heavenly race. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. Or, or verse 1, sorry. 12 and 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. That's that Greek word onkos, where we get oncology, cancer. The weights, that things that will weigh you down. Things that are not really in the will of God, but things that you've just picked up here and there somehow. You went to some conference, you picked something up. You have expectations from family members. Your wife, your husband, your children. Somebody put some expectation on you. You went to some prophetic conference and somebody gave you a prophetic word. It was really a pathetic word. No, I'll tell you right now. I met a missionary in Turkey. He came and he was really struggling. And he was working in a city where we had a group of people. He had the building because the denomination sent the money. He got a building. We had the people, didn't have the building. So we're trying to work with him in that city, Ephesus, um, to get a church going. But pretty soon I realized it's not going to go anywhere. Even though he was Pentecostal, I just saw that. He didn't, he didn't have the gifting or the calling. And I actually, after you know, a little while of dealing with him, I asked him, I said, you know, why are you in Turkey? Because I don't really see the call or the passion. I mean, something's not right here. He said, well, you know what? <laughs> I really wanted to go to South America. South America was really what, and he was an American. Uh, South America was what was really on my heart. But I was at one of our, you know, a, a mission conference of our denomination and there was a prophet there, and he, he said he gave me a word for Turkey. So we came to Turkey. And he struggled. His wife hated it, didn't want to be there. They ended up leaving after about two. They tried to stick it out for about three years. It was miserable. They left. So, I mean, somebody can actually prophesy you out of the will of God. Just because you got a word, that word has to be confirmed, first and foremost, in your own heart. It's got to be a confirmation. Prophecy is not information. It's confirmation. We're not led by prophets. We're led by the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. And if somebody's prophesying by the Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that's supposed to be given the word is the same Holy Spirit. If, this, if it's the same Spirit that's in you, there's going to be a connection. There's going to be a confirmation. It's going to, it's going to, something's going to be stirred on the inside of you. You're going to hear this yes and this fire, this excitement. There's going to be something in there. Your spirit will be jumping up and down on the inside of you. We'll grab a hold of it. People try to give me words all the time. And I, I reject it. That's not of God. You despise prophecy? That one, yes. It's not by the spirit of God. Do you understand me? 
So don't, let, don't allow somebody to prophesy you out of the will of God. Let in the mouth of two or three witnesses everywhere be established. And we got a lot of flaky people running around trying to get a word from a prophet or some prophetess on, on, on Facebook they haven't even met. Do you know them? You shall know them by their fruit. So I'm going to first see the fruit. Is this person, does this person really have godly fruit or are they just a fruitcake? <laughs> but we live in that crazy time where people are social media prophets now. I want to know the person. And I know some prophets, man. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> when they give the word of the Lord, it's like you feel it in your bones. And I've been given words by prophets and or have had you know, words, words of knowledge and wisdom prophesied to me by men and women of God that were just powerful. But it was confirmation. We're actually here in West Palm Beach because of a word Dr. Rodney Howard Brown gave me in 2015. January, Northern Ireland. I went there to, you know, see he was doing a meeting in a church and I knew the pastor. So I went, I was there and he, he gave me a word. And something had been stirring in me for a while, praying into it. And then we prayed into it for over a year. Then I, got a, I had a, a dream that I'm supposed to come to West Palm Beach. We left Istanbul, Turkey. I brought my wife, my at the time 12-year-old daughter, and seven suitcases flew to Miami International Airport with one-way tickets, rented a car, came up here on Jog Road to look at a building I saw on Craigslist. I had called a pastor. You know, they always look better in pictures. <laughs> But we just said, literally, because we landed late in Miami, so we were in a hotel. The next morning, we drove up, went straight to the building there on Jog Road. Who remembers the Jog Road building? Who was with us there in the Jog Road building? Okay, a few of you. Still there have some remnants. <laughs> and, you know, and we had made a deal to rent it, to use it Saturday and Sunday nights and Tuesday nights. And, and that's how we started the church. We were there for about, about a year and a half before we came in here. Two years maybe, yeah. Something like that. Two. Yeah, two. So anyway, so I mean, think about that. That the dream was strong, but I didn't just, oh, I got a dream. The next day I packed. It took about 10 months from the time we had the dream to come and start the church. Then I also ran the word by Pastor Rodney. We met, we had lunch, we talked. He said, go, that's the Lord, and da-da-da, and many other things. And of course, now I had to go back to Turkey and talk to my people there. Pastoring for 18 years, River Istanbul. The church is still going. I preached there today. I was translating. I'm just teasing. I can't wait. I, I love to just be translated, preach, get translated right back and preach here, you know. And actually, I'd like to say, hey, Pastor, if come do the offering while I get translated, do the main message over there in Istanbul, come right back, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, now you have to prepare your people, 12 full-time staff. You're on television. You're going to the nation's. Other river churches we were involved with in Europe and helping them get started, established, Bible schools, all that kind of stuff. I had a very busy schedule. I had to put everything on hold. Traveling to many nations. I haven't traveled much at all since I've been here. You know, building this thing. It's coming out of baby stage now, you know, and into childhood and reaching maturity. And as soon as the church reaches maturity and there's more people that are competent to, to run things and expand and help build... Because it's an apostolic world, I'm, I'll go where the Lord tells me to go again. Because we have, we have to start more churches. 
But that's, you know, so there, what I'm trying to tell you is in the calling of God, yes, I'm called. The Lord called me in November 12, 1995. I shared the story. I knew that I was called into the apostolic ministry, but I was not immediately in that. It was actually almost 14, 15 years, well, from 2000, uh, from 1995. So it was about, yeah, I would say it was about 13, 14 years of being in ministry. And the Lord said, okay, now I'm starting to launch you into the first phase of, of your apostolic work. And that was 2009. Then I started before that. I mean, I was traveling. But then I knew what that meant. I will travel strategically, not just to go have Holy Ghost meetings and revivals in cities and nations or whatever, but to actually go places and establish churches. And out of that came multiple river churches in, in Europe. And then the Lord said, come here. That's a new base. So you follow this thing. You walk this thing out. You grow into the call of God. Even though you have the big picture, there's a lot of details along the way. The Lord will show you the mountaintops, not the valleys. <laughs> and then you'll start to walk through a valley and you'll begin to doubt. Oh, Lord. But is, doesn't he say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because he shows you the mountaintops. And so like, yes. And then you go and get in the valley like, what? Come on, somebody. It's like, Lord, you tricked me. Where's that mountaintop? <laughs> I'm in the valley. Come on, who's been there? All right, yeah, you're going to walk through some valleys because you, you have to meet the good shepherd in the valley. I know everybody wants something on the mountaintop, but there'll be some valleys you walk through. There'll be the ebbs and flows. Business, there'll be times of increase. There'll be times of scaling back. Church, there's a time where, I mean, everybody's coming, and then there's a time everybody's leaving. Seems like it. I mean, you should have seen when all the churches were closed in COVID, we had like close to a thousand visitors in six months. But I mean, most of them couldn't even make it through half the service because they're coming from the seeker friendly churches. They were looking for the, the donuts and the coffee, and they're looking at their watch after an hour saying, you know, what's going on here? They're still worshiping. When's the message going to happen? And then power of God begins to hit, and then they're running out the door. But we picked up some good people from that. A lot of good people we picked up. That's what I'm looking for. You know, it's like, it's like um, you know, well, it's like panning for gold. Shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. Okay, I got a couple of good nuggets in there. All right, here, you can give me another... Okay, uh, no nuggets on this one. Try again. <laughs> Shake it up. Okay, a couple more nuggets. That's good. Hallelujah. So we're running the heavenly race. We got to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so you're going to have to endure. I had to endure many things. And you're going to have to endure many things as well. And, and the problem here, again, I, I believe the, the main issue here with the American church is everything's been made too easy for the people. It's all convenience and comfort-driven Christianity. And people don't have, the, the, the church has lost, not all of them, but much of the church has lost the art of enduring, pressing through things. As soon as the going gets tough, they're gone. 
And so we have this convenience and comfort-driven Christianity is producing a lot of soft Christians who don't have much depth or substance in them. So you've got to have some depth and substance in your life to be able to endure through things. Amen. You've got to have some strong roots, strong foundation, strength. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Didn't Jesus say, take up your cross and follow me? What is that cross? The cross is the hard thing you have to go through. But welcome to modern-day Christianity. Oh, we'll carry that cross for you. Don't, don't, don't. It's too heavy, we know. Come here, there's an easier way. We'll make it easy for you. I don't want to make things, I don't want God to make things easy on me, actually. Come on. Because I won't grow. And it's, I, I look back on some of the hard times we've gone through, and, and it wasn't fun when we were going through it, but man, I look back on it, and thank God. I learned so much. You learn, actually, you learn a lot more going through that than you will otherwise. So that's also part of our training. Yeah, I know this is not a popular church growth message here this morning, but this will help you if you'll actually grab a hold of it. All right. So I got three more things. And um, so he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the way up is sometimes going through those things. He, he went through the cross. He suffered through the cross. But then at the end of it, he was given the name which is above every name. Sat down at the right hand of God and received authority. So when you prove yourself to God, God will increase your authority. And that could also mean the realm of your influence. He'll increase the realm of your influence. Amen. So that you'll have actually more influence. And with authority always comes responsibility. And the, the more authority you have, the more responsibility you have to be able to handle. It's very important. A lot of people want authority, but they don't want the responsibility. So, and if you don't take responsibility, you can't grow. Growth comes through taking on responsibility and even things that are challenging and hard. Don't look for the easy things. Maybe even in the church, you're serving, you know, and then you've become used to it. It's, it's just become, try something new and harder. Stretch yourself. Actually, you know, I don't know what happened. We used to rotate the Bible school students in the helps ministry. Some of them are in the same place all the time. I think I need to, a few of them I need to rotate into some different teams just to, get, just to get them to do some different stuff. Well, I understand, honey. I'm not touching your worship and ministry team. I will not. I dare not touch it. I will die. It's like touching the Ark of the Covenant. I ain't touching. Trust me, I'm not touching your worship team or your children's ministry. I will die. <laughs> I don't even know how I got myself into I walk I walk right into that. I got I got public rebuked. I have to lay hands on myself now. Jesus help me. 
Don't you dare touch my tea, honey. It's all good. I'll be struck by lightning or something. I meant the other teams. <laughs> you know what? I'll rotate some from the other teams onto your team. Help your team grow. The ones that didn't want to be around kids, they need to be around kids. Just... Yeah, I know. I'm just teasing. Because they thought they were going to have to babysit. No, we actually minister to kids there, man. The power of God moves there just like it moves here. The kids get saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost. They have hands laid on them, speak with tongues. They get healed. We teach them how to win souls. We teach them how to cast out devils from their teachers <laughs> in school. Because some teachers have a lot of devils to... Sorry to say if you're a teacher. No, I didn't mean you. I meant the other ones. Ha! Huh. getting interesting here today <laughs> let me get back to the message here number four I'm still recapping and I'm out of run out of time here but he chose us he chose you John chapter 15 verse 16 you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit so your calling is going to be you bearing fruit and the maximum fruit will you will bear when you're in your divine calling amen and if you're not in your divine calling you'll be a fruitless fig tree you know what happens to the fruitless fig trees so you you need to get in your calling pursue your calling so you can bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give you you get a blank check i like who who likes a blank check man man when you're in the Perfect will of God, you get a blank check. Whatever you need, I'll give it to you. You know why? Because everything you, you, you desire is exactly what he desires. So you're never going to have a problem having your needs met. You know, the Lord told me, if you build my church, I'll build, uh, you know, I'll, build, I'll build your house. I'll build your family. He said, you know, you, you take care. Just focus on the needs of the ministry. I'll take care of your needs. And I've never had to. I don't even pray for my needs. It's been a long time since I've even prayed for a need. Because I'm praying for bigger things. My needs just are met. Because that's the least of my concern. Amen. Because if all I'm doing is praying for my needs, I am of little faith. Ye of little faith. All you do is just pray for your needs. I want you to focus on bigger things. Taking nations. Taking cities. Hallelujah. Shaking things up. Hallelujah. You, you believe God for big things and then now you, your faith is at a different level and your needs just are met. The Lord just adds them onto you as you seek the kingdom of God and, and pursue your calling and then now you're making an impact. Hallelujah. You get a blank check. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that, he should, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So we got to be holy, consecrated and blameless you got to live a life that's going to please him number five we do not belong to ourselves we have been purchased with a price first corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20 or do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god 
and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we really, honestly, we don't even belong to ourselves. You don't even belong to yourself. That means you can't decide what you're going to do. He has to decide. Say this, say this after me. I belong to him. He is my master. I don't belong to myself. Jesus bought me at a price. He paid a very heavy price for me. He purchased me for himself. He redeemed me. I belong to him. He calls the shots. He's the boss. Amen. Number six, we are a royal priesthood. I talked about that. I talked about being the temple, so I'm not going to really say much about that. But I talked about being a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen generation because he chose you. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. King James says peculiar people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we've been called out. That's what the church is, the called out ones, ecclesia. We've been called out of darkness into the light. We are to walk in the light so we can have fellowship with him. That means walking in the light means everything is open in your life. Nothing, you have nothing to hide. And then you also have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove to anybody. You just walk out your calling and the rest will come. And then um, they might come and say, if you are the son of God, come down from that cross. If you are the son of God, command that stone to turn to bread. I have nothing to prove to you. Because doing those things would actually, would have got Jesus completely out of the will of the Father. So, you know, whatever people expect of you, Whatever they, you know, they want you to prove something. Amen. You live your life with no regrets, nothing to prove, nothing to hide. Amen. You prove yourself to God. Is, that's all you need to do. And so we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. Every one of those means something. I will have to get into that another time. But every one of those shows something about our function. We also have a priestly function. Then we are a holy nation. So... That's another thing. And then we are special people. So every one of those are something that's, that can also be discussed. And number seven is the Lordship of Christ, which I was already starting to get into. The truth that Jesus is your master or your Lord is, has to be established in yourself beyond the shadow of any doubt. You have to fully consecrate your life to his lordship before you can consecrate your life to his calling. What's my calling? What's my calling? Just surrender everything and the rest will come. Consecrate your life to him first 
And so that's why I, I, I caution people to stop seeking a ministry. I've got to be in ministry. I've got to be in. Why? Why do you have to be in ministry so bad? Do you even know what you're asking for? You know what? Go, go stand there in, in the middle of I-95. <laughs> Mack truck coming right at you. That's what you're asking for. I want to be in the ministry. You sure you... you A guy came up in, the, in a prayer line. He said, I want a double portion of your anointing. So I laid hands on him. I said, Lord, may he be arrested 24 times and have four ribs broken. He just looked at me like this. I said, do you know what you're asking for? That's double what I had. <laughs> just to put things in perspective, you know. Pastor, you're not convincing me to pursue my calling, man. Come on. <laughs> what I'm saying is there's more than enough anointing for everyone. And, and there's no way you can receive my double portion because I don't even know you. Come wash my car, clean my house, take my things to the uh, dry cleaner. Uh, serve me for, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven, eight years. We'll talk about it later. No, I'm serious. There has to be a relationship. The, the anointing comes by association. It cannot be taught. It has to be caught. And you can't just take somebody you don't even know and put your hands on them and give them a double portion. I know it's profitable for some ministries to do that, but I don't play around with that stuff. They'll give you a double portion for a thousand bucks. 10,000, you'll get a quadruple portion. And, but, but they're setting people up for a lot of disappointment. You're entering into your season, this. You're, you're entering into your double this and double whatever and all this stuff they say. But do you know what it takes to get that? You got to give them the other side of it. What they have to do to press in. How they have to consecrate and what they have to sow and what they have to believe God for. And, and what they have to go through many times. Let's not make this thing cheap. I don't hear anybody saying you're coming through your uh, season of trial and testing. I've never heard any, anybody say that. Get on my Facebook live today. I'm going to talk to you about how you're coming into your season of testing. Nobody gets on that thing. But you say, come, come get on my Facebook live and I'll talk to you about how you come into your season of prosperity and increase. And everybody jumps on there. And a lot of people get disappointed because they don't give them the other side. Come on, somebody. Am I telling the truth here today? Because I'm sick and tired of people making everything so easy on everybody. Cuddling the flesh. I know what I had to go through. And I know what I'm still having to go through. So there is going to be a paying of price, paying the price. Yes, Jesus paid the price, but you're also going to have to pay the price. And somebody said, what is it going to cost me? Everything. It's going to cost you everything. Might cost some friends. Might cost you a job. Might cost you a career. But you know what? You will never regret it. What God will add to your life, you will never regret. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And actually, the sooner you realize how much blessing will come on you, 
You're like, man, why didn't I do this before? What was I doing? I was being a moron. Going around the same mountain over and over again. Doing the same thing over and over again. Expecting a different result. Was I insane? Somebody slap me. Hallelujah. So the call of God, I have, to give you the, I have to give you the full truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God, you know. No sugarcoating this thing. It, it, the call of God is the, 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 the greatest thing, running your heavenly race, finishing your race, is the greatest accomplishment and achievement in any person's life. Because ultimately, it's just going to be you who will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and all you want to hear is well done good and faithful servant enter enter now enter now into the joy of the Lord enter now into the eternal kingdom where he shares everything with you you want to talk about prosperity hallelujah Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.